You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey, I'm super, super excited to continue our series as we've been walking through a series coinciding with uh, this TV series that we've been watching together as a family uh, called The Chosen. It's a, a TV series about Jesus' life, and we're taking things from this and the scriptures that are portrayed in these episodes and talking about them on Sunday mornings, which has been really, really fun. Um, but before we jump into that, let me just introduce myself because I do see some new, new folks here this morning. I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Justin. I am the associate pastor at Midtown. And we love that you're here visiting with us. Hope you've already been greeted by someone very kind. Uh, that's one of our strengths of our church. And know that this is a place where you can explore your faith and your, your spiritual life, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey. Super glad that you guys are here this morning. So like I said, we're going to continue our series. We're actually, this is the halfway point. So we're going eight episodes during the series. We're looking at episode number four in this uh, chosen series. And what I love about this is we've been watching the videos during the week, talking about them in our Midtown communities, which is our small groups. We call them MCs. And then on Sunday mornings, we're presenting from the passage. And I've heard just tremendous things. I get to connect with all of our MC leaders uh, regularly throughout the week. And just this last week, several of them said, man, this has been so fun. I'm so glad that we're doing this. Our, our discussions in our group have been so full of life. And I just love what God's doing in our church right now. And I've heard that from multiple people. And so don't worry if you haven't watched it. It's still everything's going to be relevant because we're taking stuff from the scriptures here this morning. But if you haven't watched it, I would encourage you to start watching along with us because it really has been fun. And I want to be real clear again about what our hope is. What our hope is as we walk through this series is that you would get a better picture. That's what the TV series does for us. It gives us a much better picture of the character and the heart of Jesus. It gives us a much better picture of, of how he feels and how he, his posture is toward us. And then what we want you to do is as you see that, then be drawn near to him. Like just, just to want to be near him. Like that's our main prayer for this whole series that as we do this together, it would increase our affection and our desire to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and then to learn to do the things that Jesus did. So no shame here, but I like to just have a, a show of hands. How many have watched episode four sometime this week? So not as good as last time, 60% or so. So again, everything's going to be relevant, but uh, let me just tell you then that the episode really centers around the life of one disciple. There's other things that happen, but most of it is around the life of Simon, who we know Jesus later changes his name to Peter. And so forgive me if I sometimes use Simon this morning and sometimes use Peter this morning. They're the same person, so you don't get confused, but it focuses on this life of uh, Simon as the primary thing. And what it does is it shows uh, near the very end of the episode, this miraculous story of catching all these fish, and then the backstory, the whole episode develops and leads to this one scene where, where he comes to this moment of repentance, where he comes and he falls at Jesus' feet after he had performed a miracle from him, for him. And then he tells the disciples at the very end of the, of the episode, come and follow me, and they begin to follow Jesus together, Matthew, or Andrew and Peter and James and John. And we said this before throughout the series, and so just want to be clear about it again. One of the things that the people who wrote The Chosen did is they took a lot of creative license on the back end. So the, a lot of the stories that you see in each episode come straight from Scripture, which we're going to look at some of those today. But where they took a lot of creative license, which is really interesting, is the background and the backstories of all the people. So if you didn't watch it, what the, the story portrays is that Peter is in a big financial crisis, right? He's in a desperate need. He owes tons of money and tons of back taxes, and if you follow his, you know, all the episodes, particularly this one, you see that he's a guy that's always scheming. 
He's always got a plan. He's a gambler. He's trying to get money. He's trying to go fishing when he shouldn't. He's, he's fishing on the Jewish Sabbath, and he's doing everything he can, even thinking about partnering with the Romans, even thinking about stealing from some other fishermen, all to get out of this huge crisis that he was in. And at the end of this lesson we see, or the end of this episode, we see these ultimately on a boat trying to catch fish, and his last words are cursing God, believing that God had left him, and he's not the God that he thought he was. And that's when Jesus shows up on the shore, and there's a miraculous scene of catching of the fish. And so the backstory that they provide is with this actual catching of the fish, which is a biblical story. But what it meant in the chosen was that it saved him from this financial crisis. Like all the fish that he needed to catch, it saved him. And his response is to go to Jesus and bow at his feet and say, go away from me. I'm a sinful man, which that part is in Scripture. And so as I was watching the episode this week and reading the scriptures that coincide with it, one of the things that really stood out to me is it was interesting that his first response to this miracle is to say, go away from me, I'm a sinful man. And I think that maybe what the, the authors, the people who put together The Chosen, they were playing off that key moment, saying maybe this miracle, instead of like inducing joy or worship or thanks or all the other things that could be at play, Peter first goes to a place of confession. So maybe there was a backstory that this was actually a place where, uh-oh, Jesus knows what happens. And I think what happens, if I was to take like the theme of this whole episode, would be the theme of repentance. You're seeing Peter trying to get away with things and get away with things and get away with things until he finally comes to a breaking point. He's at the end of his rope and God gives him this gracious gift and it causes him to see the kindness and the patience of Jesus and then down to bow at his feet. The theme of this whole episode, in my opinion, is repentance. And now whether the backstory is really true or not, it really doesn't matter because we all know what's true of all of our hearts is that we've all probably been conniving and scheming, trying to do things our own way, get our own way, caught ourselves up in a trouble and doing what Peter said in one of the other episodes, I got this. And as I got this moment, continues to fail and as cover up after cover up continues to fail until he's brought to a breaking point. Now, can anyone identify with that? <laughs> like... Yes, that is a human story. So whether the backstory is true or not, we can relate to the story and we can believe that this is very much like a modern day way that someone might come to faith. When they see the kindness of God and the way that God provides for them, how patient he's been, it's meant to lead us to repentance. And I feel like this whole episode really tied together several different stories of repentance. There's John the Baptist, who was one of the characters kind of more, more involved in this episode, and his was a call to repentance. We've got Jesus and his message throughout the Gospels we'll look at today was a call to repentance. And later, in Peter's life, after Jesus has resurrected and left, Jesus is, or Peter is going to continue the same call, a call of calling people to repentance. And so what I hope to do is tie together that theme of repentance that I thought was the main thing throughout this episode. So first, um, you would note that repentance would have been a pretty common word for them in that day. Like, they would have known it because that was what John did. John was the one who came before Jesus, and he was telling people to repent and to turn from their sins. And he was what Peter in the episode called Creepy John. Remember that? He called him Creepy John. And you'll see there's a reason why John was kind of creepy. And so let's read a little bit about Creepy John from Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness in Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes, this is why he was creepy, were made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan, 
But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned, uh, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with what? Repentance. See, John the Baptist was uh, unabashedly calling everyone to repentance. That was his message. He was preparing the way for Jesus by calling people to turn from their sins. He called people to repent because the kingdom of heaven, because Jesus was near. And it really didn't matter if you were a Pharisee. <laughs> if you remember in the episode, the Pharisees actually kind of gather, and they have this little gathering to talk about, what are we going to do about John the Baptist? And the, the one says, well, he called us a bunch of snakes. And that's where you get from this passage. They were portraying what the Pharisees were thinking when he was called snakes. But it didn't matter, too, if you were a Roman soldier. John called the Roman soldiers to repent, and he called the everyday person, a fisherman or everyday man, to repent. That was his message. It didn't matter who you were. And after Jesus got baptized... By John, he went into the desert to fast and pray, which is what we talked about last week that Jake spoke about. But then when he actually starts his earthly ministry and starts calling his disciples, we read this about Jesus' life, and you'll see something very similar to Jesus' message to that of John the Baptist. This is from Matthew 4. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went to, uh, and lived in Capernaum, which is by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. To fulfill what was, th- what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John's constant calling people to repent ultimately got him put in prison, and then Jesus moves to the next phase, fulfilling a prophecy that Isaiah said about where the Messiah would come from, he moves to another town so he can come from that town in fulfillment of that prophecy. And the prophecy that Isaiah had said hundreds of years before was that this person, Jesus, that was going to come, what was he going to be? Part of what he's going to do, he's going to be a light. He's going to be a light in the darkness. And now what, what does light do? Light exposes darkness. And that's one thing that Jesus came to do, that he came to expose the darkness in our hearts because that's why he would come and say the same thing that John said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. The message at the beginning of Jesus' ministry is the same message that Jesus would speak to us today. He really would. He would call us to repentance. He'd call us to stop living in the vanity of this world and to to have spiritual eyes and to see the heavenly things. He He would call us to stop pursuing worldly pleasures and everything that this world gives and instead pursue him. He would call us to repent from so many things in our life and he continues to call us to repent. And he would ask us, like he asked the disciples at the end of this story, to leave their boats, to leave whatever it is behind and let's start anew. Let's go and let's follow him. Now the word repent in this language really just means to turn, to change your mind or to change your heart. That's what Jesus is saying is, My call on you is just change your heart, change your mind. Come with me. One thing that I noticed in the episode uh, is that Peter actually had many chances to repent. Did you catch that? Like there were so many times that he could have just turned right then and repented. It was with the Roman soldiers on the seashore. He could have said, okay, this is it. It was with James and John when he's in the bar and he's talking with them and revealing a bit about what his plans were. And they say, "No, no way, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Most powerfully, he's speaking with his wife, Eden. And Eden calls him to repent and says, you're not the man that I once knew. But he doesn't repent. Even Matthew, his buddy, Matthew, when he's walking down the streets, Matthew approaches him 
and says, you shouldn't do this. Nothing happened until Matthew was on the shore. Peter wouldn't believe until he was at his wit's end, until he saw the graciousness of Jesus and how he provided for him and the way that he received him. I don't know about you, but the, the scene that, that stood out most to me that I enjoyed the most was in that scene while, while the fish are coming in and everyone's excited, they, they, they pan to one shot of Jesus and he's just, he's just smiling. He's so happy to, to be a part of seeing what God's doing. He kind of does a little look up, you know, that you understand now he's thanking the Father like, man, this is fun. But I think he was smiling and happy most of all because he knew what would happen next. He knew what would happen next. This Peter that he'd been waiting and been so patient for, that he would come to repentance. If you remember when Peter was on the boat, he was trying not to share the boat with Jesus at the first, at start, which is, which is in Scripture, but we don't know why. But then his reason for why, he said, Jesus, I'm kind of in a bit of a hurry right now. And Jesus looks at him and says, I know. Like, yeah, I know what you're up to. Yet still, he provides this catch, and, and he just welcomes them with a smile on his face. And Peter responds by repenting. Now, repentance in the Christian faith is both a one-time experience and it's an ongoing experience. Repentance, there's a type of repentance that's the repentance unto faith. It's the repentance when you first put your faith in Jesus and you, you declare him as your Lord. You declare yourself as sinful and in need of him as a savior. That's a one-time repentance that changes your relationship with God forever because when you do that, you're adopted into God's family. For me, that was the summer of 1988 in Estes Park, Colorado at a conference where I confessed that I needed Jesus as my Savior and put my faith in Him. That was a one kind of repentance, repentance unto faith. But there's also in the Christian life, there's, there's ongoing repentance. There's repentance because as you be with Jesus, He's going to reveal more and more sin in your life. And so Christians, one of the things that we do is we practice ongoing repentance as things become real and we, we understand more about ourselves and Jesus and His grace reveals stuff in our lives. We continue to repent before God. That's ongoing Christian repentance. And I want to tell you a difference between these two. Ongoing or one-time repentance. Repentance unto faith is a one-time thing that happens and changes your relationship with God forever. Your relationship with God can never be broken. You're his son. You're his daughter. You've been adopted into his family, and that cannot change. But what can change and why we need ongoing repentance is while our relationship with God can't be changed, when we sin, when we turn our backs on God, when we walk away from God, our, our fellowship with God is broken. Our relationship's the same. We're still a son. We're still a daughter. But our connection with God, our intimacy with God can be broken. And that's why Christians practice ongoing repentance to continue to say, yes, Lord, you've revealed this in my heart and I'm turning from this as well. One of the disciples that actually was on the other boat, John, he actually, when he started to follow Jesus, one of the things that he wrote about confession was found in 1 John 1. Uh, let me read this to you. John would write this later. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we've uh, not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. My children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the world. You see there, it's saying that our aim should be not to sin, but he also says, we know that you're going to sin. Anyone who claims that they've not sinned is a liar. You're lying. Because as we walk closer and closer with Jesus and want to become more and more like him, where he's going to reveal things to us 
that we have to continually repent of. And while our relationship with God can't be broken because we have an advocate, Jesus, the Holy One, that's always advocating for us to the Father, our connection with Him can be broken, which is why we practice confession and repentance. And if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us yet again. The guy who led me to uh, faith in that summer of 1988, shortly thereafter, talked to me about this, this way of repenting, and he gave me an illustration that I, I think I found helpful. He called it spiritual breathing. He said, now you've got a relationship with God that can't be broken, but your fellowship with God can be broken. And so what you need to do is you need to practice what he called spiritual breathing. You know, like when you breathe out, you're breathing out the CO2. <laughs> you're breathing out the, the bad stuff. And that's your confession. That's your telling God, like, God, I'm sorry, I failed in this, I failed in this way. I have this in my heart. I should have said that. I should have done that. I apologize. I confess. But then you breathe in anew the Holy Spirit, just like you breathe in the good oxygen again. You, you practice this just regular cycle of spiritual breathing. And when you practice spiritual breathing, you keep your connection and your fellowship with God. The first point that I wanted to mention here this morning is that Jesus did come to expose our sin and that we all are in need of ongoing and one-time repentance. And this morning, I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to repent because there's something going on in your life today, something that's unconfessed. Confess it. Bring it to God. Bring it to others. Is there some scheming or some way that you've been trapped by continuing to get your way? I got this Peter kind of attitude. Come back to Jesus and repent. Confess. Or I'd like to challenge you too, if someone's here today and you've not actually experienced the one-time confession unto faith, if you've not yet put your faith in Jesus, I want to ask you to do that this morning. Put your faith in Jesus. Come to Him. He'll receive a Savior. I put my faith in you to save me. Do one-time repentance this morning if you've not given your life to Jesus before. The thing that I love about the passage, like I said, or the, the, the chosen episode, like I said, is, is the way that Jesus received him. Peter falls down, won't look at him. Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Jesus says, look at me. And he looks him at the eyes and he just says, follow me. Peter says, go away. Jesus says, come with. Go away. No, come on. Come with me. Peter was constantly amazed. You'll see it in the, the next episodes at how God would have mercy on him and choose him. And he was also amazed that he wouldn't just offer that forgiveness in that very spot, but he would call him to follow him and invite Peter to be along with him and doing what? Helping call other people to repentance, calling people to be fishers of men, as Jesus told him. And we find in Scripture in Luke chapter 5. Let's read the story here from the Luke that this episode was taken from, at least the end of the episode. One day Jesus was standing by the lake of uh, Gennesaret, and the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw the water's edge, two boats left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got in one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, so Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught people from the boat. You guys saw that in the episode. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put, put into deep water and let down your nets. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, and they filled their boats full, and they began to sink. 
When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at his, on his knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. He pulled up their boats on the shore, and they left everything and followed him. This is what I love about Jesus, and I love the way it's depicted in the episode. That Again, Peter says, go away, and Jesus' response is, come with. And that's true for all of us. Jesus calls us to be with him, to become like him, and to do the things that he did. No matter where we've come from, no matter your gifts, no matter your personality, Jesus can transform your life, and he can use you to carry out his message of repentance to the rest of the world. You'll see if you continue to read Scripture, and you're going to see it portrayed in some ways in The Chosen, that Peter needed to continue ongoing repenting. <laughs> this wasn't it for Peter. It wasn't just one thing. He continued to have to repent throughout his life. If you know and you've read some of the Gospels, you know that Peter uh, often got things wrong <laughs> when he was traveling with Jesus and when he began following Jesus. And he constantly had to repent. One time, Jesus even had to call him Satan. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. Like he continued ongoing repentance as Jesus began to reveal more and more that he needed to repent from. And if you had some biblical knowledge, you know that probably the biggest thing that he did near the end of his life, promising that he would die for Jesus, instead he denied Jesus three times. Peter thought this just disqualified him because after Jesus rose from the dead, we find out what about Peter? He's back to fishing. He'd left to follow Jesus and now after he had denied him and sinned his way, he just thought, well, it's probably over for me. I guess I'll just go back to doing what I knew what to do. But then we get this crazy Another story where Jesus calls him to ongoing repentance in John 21, in verse 15. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, oh, I forgot, I wanted to give a context for it before we read this, sorry. If you remember what happened was the exact same thing happened. Peter's out fishing, Jesus is on the shore, and he tells Peter again, like, hey, Peter, why don't you let down your nets? And the same thing happens again later in Peter's life. After he had denied Jesus three times, they had this huge catch of fish. Very, very similar. And when he comes to shore, they have breakfast together. And then Jesus pulls them aside. And look how similar these two stories are. The start of his ministry, at the end of Jesus' life, before he raises to the Father, the same thing happens to Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. A third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said that to indicate what kind of death by which Jesus, or Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him again, Follow me. It's amazing that Jesus would come to him again the same way that he did before after he felt like he had disqualified himself and he's offering him yet another time of ongoing repentance. Almost the exact same story. The metaphors change. He's not going to fish men, but he's going to feed sheep. But it's the same calling. Follow me. Very, very similar to his first time. Many of you, I'm sure, have made your one-time uh, repentance. You've had repentance unto faith. You're following Jesus. But odds are that you've had times in your life when you've wandered from Jesus, when you've let sin go unconfessed and you've wandered away. 
And Jesus would approach you again in the exact same way and say, follow me. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. Come follow me. Peter, like you and I, are still invited to be part of God's plans, even though we've had so many past failures. This is what's great about the kingdom of God and the grace of Jesus. He uses unqualified people like you and me to be part of his redemptive kingdom and to be fishers of men, to be feeders of sheep. Your sins and your mistakes get transformed actually into a stronger testimony that God can use. And the reality of Jesus' message of repentance can be used through you no matter what you've gone through. In fact, all of the disciples abandoned Jesus. It wasn't just Peter. All of them abandoned Jesus. And when he finally gets back together with them after his resurrection, this is one of the things that he tells them about what they're going to do. He told them in Luke 4, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. What was he giving them? He's given them a commission, and it's the same thing. What is your commission? Repentance and the forgiveness of sins is going to be preached to all nations, and it's going to start with you in Jerusalem after you get filled with the Spirit. And if you follow the story in the book of Acts, Jesus rises from the dead. He leaves them. The disciples gather to pray, and they're waiting for what the Spirit to come upon them. And when it finally does, we have what was called Pentecost. And guess who was preaching the first sermon at Pentecost when they got filled with the Spirit? It was Peter the first one to speak and give the first sermon that called people to repentance and faith. And listen, to the, listen how similar the words are. At the end of his sermon, that's what he says in Acts 2. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, all for whom the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. In other words, repent. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Amazing. This message was the same of John the Baptist, the same of Jesus, and now Peter's standing at the temple doing the same message. Repent and calling people to forgiveness and 3,000 people respond to his message. Amazing. This very guy who said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Jesus said, come with. I've got bigger plans for you. That was actually one of my favorite parts within The Chosen. Uh, if you remember, like after he repents and Jesus says, follow me, they kind of start to walk off and Peter, he, he kind of teases, he says, are you sure you don't want to do this business? Like we could be pretty good fishing partners. And, and he quickly just says, oh, just joking. <laughs> and, and Jesus though laughs at his humor, but he turns and looks him at the face and he says, Simon, son of John, I have bigger things for you. Isn't that amazing? It's not in scripture but it's implicit within this call to follow him. And we see it in the way that Jesus uses his disciples. Like, can, can you receive that for yourself this morning? Like, Jesus saying to you, Justin, I have bigger things for you. Like, Greg, I have bigger things for you. Cam, I have bigger things for you. James, I have bigger things for you. I mean, amazing that Jesus would look and say that. It's true of you, just as it was true of Matthew. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. It's what Jesus wants to do in our lives. And I'm not suggesting that we're all going to preach and see 3,000 people come to faith. <laughs> all of us have unique callings, just like all the disciples that follow Jesus had unique callings. 
that Jesus has a calling for you. He wants to use you to help lead others to repentance just as he in his grace led you to repentance. He wants to make you a fisher of men. I know that for certain. The only thing that you have to ask is with whom and and how because God wants to use us all that way. Some like Peter are called to leave everything, to leave their boats. I think about uh, Grace or I think about Shay, two of our missionaries that left everything to go follow Jesus to other lands. I think about some of our staff who've chosen not to be in marketplace to to do ministry as a full-time, but that's such a small calling compared to the normal calling that Jesus has and the ways that he wants to use you to fish for men. I like how it's described in the book of Acts. There's this uh, chapter in Acts, which is one of my favorite, because it's a bunch of people who don't have a name, yet they're the first ones to build a multi-ethnic church and get the gospel to the Gentiles. Listen to this in Acts 11. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution broke out and went after Stephen was killed and traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word among many Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Who were these people? Their pronouns. (laughs) Them. These people. Them. It's just everyday people that in their persecution were going about the places that they were going and using and taking the message and being used by God. And the Lord says it, many people turned and followed. I'm convinced that that good news is what God wants to use through all of us, wherever God has you scattered throughout the city. The only question is with whom and how? How has he gifted you to do it? With whom has he gifted you to do it? Uh, One of the things, if you've been around Midtown, you've heard that we use this terminology, we call it people groups. Like we believe that we all have a people group, meaning we all have people that God has placed us around, where, they, where we live, work, or play. Usually it's, you know, where you live or where you take classes or where you play, things that you're interested in, or where you live. Where you live, work, or play, that's very likely your people group. And we believe that one of the things that God would call you to do is to be the one that shares the good news about Jesus and helps those people see and follow Jesus along with you. And so I want to challenge you this morning to start praying for people, praying for people around you and looking for opportunities and seeing how God might use you to be a fisher of men. That's what God can use. He has bigger plans for you. I know it may sound like a daunting task, and for many it is, including myself, to think about bringing that good news or calling my friends to repent and follow Jesus with me. That is a scary task. But the only way that we're going to be able to do it is by first being with Jesus. Like, that's where if you make time to be with Jesus, he will begin to change your heart and change your heart, that you become more like him, and then you'll begin to start doing the things that Jesus did. So if you feel like you can't do that, let me just invite you first to be with Jesus, to spend time with him, to receive his forgiveness, his patience and grace on you, that that would move your heart then to share it with others that would be in your people group. The first place to start is by being with Jesus. And You know, Peter had been with Jesus for many years before he was boldly preaching the same message of repentance and seeing 3,000 people. It didn't happen for him overnight, but because he committed himself to be with Jesus and to try to become like Jesus, ultimately he was able to do things that Jesus did and lead other people to follow Jesus with him. The same can be true for you. I'm convinced that that scene that we we see in Luke chapter 5, but we get to see while watching The Chosen depicted is so powerful because Peter, in that moment, he experienced the patience and the kindness of God. Romans 2 says that God's patience is what's meant to lead us to repentance. When Jesus looked at him, he said, I'm kind of in a hurry. Jesus is like, I know. Jesus is saying, I know what you've been up to. 
and I've allowed it to go on and on and on to get to this moment to call you back to repentance. He, he was amazed by the patience of God. Equally amazed, I believe, was by the kindness of God. And whether it was by this financial provision as portrayed by the episode, there was something about the kindness of God that, that moved him to be ready to follow Jesus. I gather this because in the last book that Peter wrote when he was writing, at least the one that we have recorded that he wrote to the churches, in 2 Peter chapter 3, he writes this. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to what? To repentance. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. His patience is so amazing. And he's so patient, these people are questioning, like, why hasn't Jesus come back? And Peter's response is, he don't really get the patience of God. He was patient with me. He's being patient with others that they too might come to repentance. That's what his patience means. That's what he's doing. May we rejoice in the kindness and patience of God toward us personally and the kindness and patience of God that led us to repentance. May experiencing that anew move us then to lead others to repent and follow Jesus with us. Let me close us in prayer and then we'll move to a time of communion. God, we are so amazed by the story that you would take a broken person and you just receive them when they just confess. So this morning, God, we confess that we too are sinful men, sinful women. We have much to repent of. We thank you for providing atonement and the sacrifice of your life that that brings us into a relationship with you that can never be changed. We want God today to commit to a lifestyle of ongoing repentance that we continue to call upon your mercy. We ask that you give us faith and favor to do that and experience you anew today, especially as we continue to worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.